Welcome to Alter Everything, a podcast about data science and analytics culture. The conversation you're about to hear is actually an episode of the Dedicated On Air podcast, hosted by Kate Strachny, where Kate hosted a panel discussion about the journey to data enablement in Fortune 500 companies. You'll hear from Jeff Neiman, the Director of Data Enablement at McDonald's, and David Sweener, Senior Director of Product and Solution Marketing at Alteryx. We absolutely love this episode of Dedicated On Air, as you'll hear about the democratization of analytics, where McDonald's is in their analytics maturity journey, and the importance of executive buy-in when it comes to your analytics program. Listeners of Alter Everything will really connect with the topics heard in this episode, and you'll also hear Kate share questions from the audience as this was originally recorded live. Let's get started. Welcome to The Dedicated Show. Today, we're going to talk about taking a journey to data enablement in Fortune 500 companies. We have special guests with us, David Sweenor from Alteryx and Jeff Neiman from McDonald's. Really excited to have both of these amazing guests on the show. We are going to talk about the journey that McDonald's has gone through, as well as Jeff's extensive experience with Ford and some other companies across the way. So we can't wait to hear all those insights. Hello, Jeff. Hello, David. Welcome to the show. Thank you. Delighted to be here. Happy morning to you. Yes, Happy thanks for having us. We're excited about this. As we get started, I think it's great to start with introductions. So I'm going to have Jeff Neiman go first. If you don't mind, let the audience know a little bit about yourself, and then we'll do that with David as well. Sure. Happy to do that. Thank you, Kate. My name is Jeff Neiman. I am the Director of Data Enablement at McDonald's. What that means is a fancy worry of saying that it is my responsibility to help the markets use the core data in building their own analytic solutions. We'll talk, I'm sure, a lot about that. Prior to that, I led a data science team at Ford Motor Company. I also led in business intelligence at Cisco Systems. Proud graduate of the University of Michigan College of Engineering, Go Blue. And uh, my master's is from City University of New York, where I also teach as adjunct faculty in the uh, data science area. So glad to be here, Kate. Thanks for having me. All right, perfect. Uh, my name is uh, David Sweeter. I'm the Senior Director of Product and Solution Marketing at Alteryx. I am dialing in from the Green Mountain State today. For those of you who don't know where that is, the land of Ben & Jerry's, Bernie Sanders, maple syrup, and strong beer. I've been in analytics for my entire career, first as a data scientist in high-tech manufacturing. Then I went into data warehousing. I ended up in an analytics COE. Then I went to the dark side of marketing. So I am looking forward to, to, to the show today. Okay. Awesome. Thank you. And a quick reminder that we are taking questions from the audience. I see Ravit's already asking Jeff if you can tell us the secret of McDonald's pride. <laughs> well, there are some things I told Kate when I took this gig. <laughs> there are some things I will not disclose, but they are the best fries in the world. By far my favorite thing. Yeah. So <laughs> we can't disclose that, Ravit, but if you've got data questions, definitely. <laughs> so I think a good place for us to start is we have McDonald's and we have Alteryx, which two amazing companies. I think it's, it's good to set the stage of how do you guys know each other? How do you work together? Yeah. I led in the business intelligence space for years at Cisco Systems. And we would do SQL queries, stuff these things into Excel workbooks, and try to create good answers to questions that we needed to figure out for our business there and operations at Cisco. When I got into data science and I switched to Ford Motor Company, I remember my first day, they introduced me to this tool called Altrix. And I went, 
what is this magical thing? How does this work? And I was fascinated because I'm like, oh my goodness, I spent all these years fiddling with SQL and Excel and all these kind of things. And I could simply drag and drop these things along the way. And that was my first exposure to the power of an automated tool or a way that you can do that along the way. When I was at Ford, we actually built up one of the largest Altrix platforms in the world. We ran half a million workflows every month under my team's leadership and with our IT partners. And moving into McDonald's was pleased to see that among other, many other great companies, I don't want to shaft anybody who are our partners, but Altrix being one of them and uh, delighted to continue to work in that space. Awesome. Thank you for sharing that. And David, sure. Jeff called it a magical thing. What do you think about that? <laughs> I've used a lot of different analytics tools and worked for a lot of different vendors out there. And the very unique thing about Alteryx is it's probably has the most approachable analytics software out on the planet. And what I mean by that is there's a lot of tools that are designed for experts. This is really intentionally designed for non-experts. And if you look, just take a look at our community that we have, it's pretty robust. There's over 300,000 active members of our user community. So I like to say, you know, over a quarter of a million people can't be wrong. And it's that approachability of the software that's quite unique. Yeah, absolutely. So Lisa's just being funny, saying Alteryx is the actual secret sauce. So like, uh -oh, it's this is funny. We're going to get McDonald's jokes oh. all day. There's much more to the secret sauce than just that. Jokes keep on coming. So it's coming. Yeah. You know, my first job was at McDonald's when I was 16. I'm just going to say. Was it? Well, yes, it was. Oh, that's so cool. Oh my God. What was the job? What were you doing? I did everything. I worked up front, cashier. Hi, welcome to McDonald's. May I take your order, please? Drive through, cook, all that kind of stuff. I was one of the original employees of the little old McDonald's in Lambertville, Michigan. So there you go. I waited three hours in line to get that first job. That wasn't in your bio, Jeff. I wish that was in your bio. <laughs> <laughs> it's a good resume builder. Wow, that's actually really cool. All right. So we're here to talk about data and analytics. And I think a good question to start with is why is this so important to companies? Especially, let's think about the big companies like McDonald's. Why is this so important? Yeah, when you think about a large company like us, a Fortune 500 company, there's a lot of complexity and there's a lot of opportunity to gain extra value. And so when I think about data analytics, I really think about the fact that I need to know what happened. I need to know why it happened. And then I need to know what will happen so that I can predict and move toward it. And if I get really good, if I do these things, what should happen? Then I have the ability to direct our future. When I think about some of the things we do in the area of analytics, we need to predict our supply chain at McDonald's. Yep. You wouldn't think about that because we're not like it was at Ford with the automotive, but we have a supply chain. We have all over the world, a huge network of local suppliers that help us with that. We need to understand and forecast what that's going to be like. Obviously pricing, if we charge X, will that, what will that do in terms of driving sales and increase? And many of you may have seen the McDonald's app that we've brought out. And so all of this is the future that we have to both measure what's happening. Yep. Then how can we drive it to a more successful place as a company? And, and that all sounds extremely complex. When you think about the fact that nearly 1% of the world's population dines at a McDonald's every day. Yeah. Just think about for a second, the scope we're in 120 markets. We're all over the world and, and each market is distinct. We're like a federation of different countries, McDonald's in Germany is of a different kind than McDonald's in the U.S. or Canada or Australia and so on. 
And yeah. so each is very cultural to its own place and is part of that own culture and their own community. So there is a lot of complexity, although at the end of the day, numbers are numbers. And so no matter how the scale is, there's certain things you got to track and certain things that you want to help drive toward. Right. Absolutely. And we had a comment here coming from Pierre say that he likes that you mentioned how Ford relied on half a million workflows. Vehicle manufacturing is complex, being more complex than the transition to electric. So I guess that's a great comment, but my question here is what have you, would you say is more complex, the data at Ford or McDonald's? Ford. Absolutely. You think about that, where we're going, not just electric vehicles, but when you deal with the whole idea of autonomous vehicles, or even let's go even simpler. That, you know, the amount of data you can collect every second out of a moving vehicle is incredibly complex. And so that's not to denigrate anything that we're doing at McDonald's. It's a wonderful thing. We need to understand we're the people business at McDonald's. So we need to understand what makes people tick. And that in many ways is more complex than the most complex machine because yeah. human beings are very complex creations. And so there, there, I think there's a little nuance to each one. The sheer volume of data, though, that can come in for it is unbelievable with where we are with automotive. Yeah. End of the day, I guess it is all about the people. We do have a question here specifically on people that just came in from Christiane and she's asking, what does your team structure look like? And another thing is, what do you actually look for people that are joining your team? That's a great question. Christiane, you looking? Reach out to me on LinkedIn. We're always looking <laughs> for the right person on, on, on that one. So what I look for in the area of enablement a different space. And we could talk a little bit about what that means in a few moments, I'm sure. But yes, you need to have some technical expertise. You need to understand core data science products, how to principles and so on. But what it is in essence is enablement. I want to help other people be able to use this stuff. I want to help other people have the capability to build an analytic, to consume data, to do these things. So I've got to have the ability to I need to have very good people skills. And so what I look for on my team are people that understand the, the data science and the technology, but also the people that will lead because it's a complex space. Like I said, 67, 68 million people every day. And so I need to have that ability to represent and understand that through those kinds of soft skills as well Great. as that technical background. Yeah, Jeff, I, I would just, you know, add to that. We have a lot of fair number of data scientists here at Alteryx. And one of the things that keeps coming back is that creativity and curiosity is, is yeah. I think, paramount to the job as well. Because like, we always want to push the envelope in terms of innovation for the company. And that, that having that drive and that curiosity is quite important. Totally agree. And how do you measure something like that? If we stand the question for a little bit. So you're interviewing a person. For now, because soon it'll be robots, right? So you're interviewing a person. <laughs> how do you know how creative they are? Is it, if they put pretty flowers on the resume, how, how does creativity come through during this process? It's in some of the interview questions, you can bring it out. Like a lot of times I'll ask them to demonstrate how they would solve a situation. I remember in one of my previous employees, I'll keep it vague. We actually would tell people you're in a building. I want you to take 10 minutes and calculate the weight of the building around you and then explain to me how you did it. That was a fun question because there was no right or wrong answer. Who knows what the building actually weighed, yeah. but how that person attacked that problem really gave me insight into the creativity as I see, cause that's what I'm most interested in. 
yeah. is I'm going to assume I can test and pretest before you ever come to the interview your technical knowledge. But man, I want to understand how you apply that and that creativity that David mentioned. Jeff, I don't think I want to interview with you. I have a nightmare. <laughs> and it was like, yeah, how many golf balls does it take to fill the Mississippi River? I'm like, oh gosh, I don't know. You know, I recently asked a question as a LinkedIn poll of if you think there are more wheels or doors in the world. All that. Yeah, this is something I think it was started on Twitter or TikTok or somewhere, but I brought it over to LinkedIn. It was very fun to see the logic that people bring to doors. And yeah, so questions like that are, are a good way to, to get to the bottom of if this person is creative or not. Moving on to one of my favorite topics, data literacy. So a question here from Valerie. She's asking if you can share how McDonald's looks at fostering data literacy, especially for frontline employees in the restaurant, since you used to be one, actually. Wow. That's a great question. And I'm going to answer it a couple of different ways because there's, I want to explain first a unique aspect to McDonald's structure. We have what we call three legs of a stool and each of them are distinct. And the three legs are the McDonald's corporate based in Chicago. We have the suppliers, which I mentioned a little bit ago, and those are all independently owned and operated under McDonald's standards, of course, but they're independently owned and operated. We have our owner operators. We're a franchise business. And so in many ways, like I live in Dundee, Michigan, the McDonald's up the street here is owned by a person who is a company of 15, 18 restaurants, wherever he has. And uh, that's its own unique company. And so when you think about that, each of them have their own place to play. So it's more incumbent on each company to work on their own employees because they're employees of themselves. However, we want to create a structure globally on a corporate level to help people increase their literacy. And I think that really starts with where people are. Mm -hmm. And we have built a number of different ways where we start with kind of cookies on the bottom shelves to help people take that next step. It could be through a bootcamp that we run that's very interactive and very engaging. It could be through an analytics academy we're putting together, or it could be through just simply coming to a session, a seminar on something and beginning to help take those next step forward. And are you seeing interest from frontline employees? Do they want to become more data literate? I had a conversation a couple of months ago with one of our owner operators and he begged me to come up with a strategy to come in to play to help the owner operators and start on that basic level in the area of data literacy to take those next steps. It's something we're exploring and yeah. uh, we're still young in our journey at McDonald's so I'm coming along the way. Before I ask my next question from the audience, I think it would be great to level set and tell the audience where is McDonald's in that journey of data analytics maturity? Yeah, I'd say we're pretty young. One of the things that's true of McDonald's is that we've done pretty well over the years and uh, there's good reasons for it. Our leadership has done a fantastic job in setting a direction and creating a model that works. And we are very intentional about creating great products that people want to buy. And so we've done really well. As a result, in many ways, we are on the lower end of where I would call analytics maturity. Areas like retail, areas like automotive, we were forced to innovate because of the need of the complexity of the markets where we stood in those markets. And so one of the great things, and I'll give our leadership a hundred percent great credit on this is they realize that we've got to adapt. We always need to be adapting and learning and growing. And so we have put together, I think a very state of the art process and program 
in the area of data and analytics. My boss is the chief data officer, Craig Brabeck, has done a fantastic job of how he's approached the problem and the caliber of talent that we're attracting to this because we have so much we can learn and so much we can grow and develop in. And I would say we're probably about a year and a half, two years into that journey. It's still pretty new in terms of a dedicated approach toward data and analytics. And does it make it more difficult, the fact that I'm going back to your description of the three-legged stool of corporate suppliers and the operators, does that make it more difficult for data transparency? Can, is there a central location where all this data is flowing to? The answer is, it is more complex. And there are certain things that, that I should not be privy to, even though I'm a data scientist, because if Kate, you're one of our franchisees and you own your own company, there are certain parts of your company that is your business. You know, who your employees are, that's HR data. That's, those are your people. Those are not McDonald's corporate people. Now there's a partnership obviously in there. Now there are other things though, that is all of our interest, things like sales and how many burgers you sell and those kind of things that are very much involved as we partner together. One of the things I've realized coming from, I worked in tech in Silicon Valley company, Cisco. I worked in manufacturing, old school, top of the line company like Ford. And now I'm in what they call the QSR business, quick service restaurant business. Very innovative, very fun, very people focused the business. And so it represents a different kind of challenge than we had where you had a central company like a Ford or a Cisco that owned all of that data and all of that business. There are certain parts of your business, if you're my franchisee, that are rightly yours. And so all we can do is provide tools and resources to help you in that journey. That's, that's interesting because my background is in, in high-tech manufacturing. So semiconductors, maybe arguably probably some of the most complex supply chain and manufacturing environments in the world, all sorts of data, probably similar to Ford, but so I've been, had a lot of experience in the industrial space coming to Alteryx, the mission of Alteryx is, is very different than a lot of these previous companies I've worked for. And, and the mission is quite simple. It's to empower every person in the entire world to be able to use data and analytics to achieve what we call a breakthrough moment in their business. And I think that's just fascinating. It's other companies I've, I've worked for, Hey, we can solve the world's toughest problems. There's certainly a market for that, but this notion that the human is at the core of everything is quite intriguing to me. And just a little story. When I started at Alteryx, I've been just over a year now, someone said, David, Alteryx changed my life. I'm like, what do you mean? It's software. I've used all the software. No, it's changed my life. You don't understand. And to get to the bottom of it, this lady I was talking with, she was getting data from all these systems. They were in PDF files. They were shipping invoices. They were spreadsheets and cutting and pasting these things from system A to system B all day long. And by automating that with Alteryx, she's got seven hours and 58 minutes left in her day to be innovative for her company. And it's you know, people like, I'm like, Hey, you're extracting stuff from images. That's AI. Oh, it's AI. I didn't know I was doing AI. So there's a lot of misnomers out there. I think this people that know the business, they know how to solve problems. They just need to have the tooling and some education and little activation energy to take that leap. And once, once they get going, there's really no stopping them because there's lots of little problems in the business that a sort of a centralized team will never get to. And that's what we call democratization of analytics and our everybody across the organization to be able to use data and analytics. Absolutely. And why is this important? And how does this relate to the concept of data literacy? 
when I think about democratization, I think there's been history, right? There's three words that I've seen battered around, uh, citizen data scientist, democratization, and now enablement. And when I think about citizen data scientists, that just sounds so formal and almost foreboding, but I remember when that was a, a big word, come citizens and join us. And then the word democratization became really big and democratization it literally means, as David said, empowering people. It comes from two Greek words, demokratis, which means people and empowering, and it has that sense. But I always discovered that in the area of democratization, people go, what are you like a political science or make the world safe for democracy or I think the word that I've seen pop up more and more and where, where we now sit is the idea of enablement. I like the word enablement because it, it, it basically says, where are you? Let me help you take that next step. Mm -hmm. So for you, you're living in a world of Excel and I need to help you get a little better at that and eventually automate it through a tool like Outtricks or Data IQ or something like that, that, that would help you be able to do that. Whatever your next step is, or maybe your your next step might be a visualization. Let's take that next step. Or maybe I just need to understand something. And this is where I think it fits neatly with data literacy in parallel. I think both happen together because I could sit there and say, data literacy, what do you need to know? I need to know the difference between a mean and a median. Mm -hmm. Okay. Basic stats 101. When do you use it? Wait, I'm building this dashboard now and I have this weird outlier that's pulling my mean all the way over here. Data literacy now tells me I should take the median if I want to know where I am in the middle. That's kind of stats 101. But until I see, when all of a sudden I see that outlier way out here on the edge, skewing my data so my mean's here, my median's here, which one makes the most logical sense? This is why I think they will work hand in hand because yeah, I can teach you the difference, but until you actually have to use it, yeah. it's probably going to go blah, 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 like the Charlie Brown teacher. And that's why I love that word enablement. Mm -hmm. Yeah. That's interesting, Jeff, how that I call like applied analytics, opposed to have a term for it. Like the computer will do all the math for you these days, but you know, I just I flashbacks to my background as a physics major and I would do pages of integration by hand, filling up pages. And I would get to the end of this and be like zero equals zero. I don't know what that was like a Zen moment. What does zero equals zero mean? I, I don't know. One doesn't equal zero. So that it was good to get that, but it had no meaning to me. The application of analytics, when you do a mean or a median or what problems are good for like decision trees versus neural networks or right. what have you, I think are, are really key to analytics and data literacy. And when we look at it, I like your term enablement. We look at that three vectors, which are going to a readiness. So does your organization have the right funding and, and executive buy enablement that might be like the tooling and training for the people and then engagement is the whole organization engaged in this process. And so those are the sort of the three vectors that we look at in improving analytics literacy across a, across a company. How would you differentiate between readiness and engagement? So readiness is. Do you have executive buy-in and sponsorship? Do you have the right funding and resources? Do you have a, a support system in place? And I would say an engagement flashback to earlier in my career, I was out of college in, in the semiconductor space and I showed somebody a principal component analysis and they're like, I don't understand it. I don't know what it means. I'm going with my gut. So is there, are we ready to use data and analytics? Do we trust the data? 
to make decisions. Can we trust the math and, and things like that? I think your business has to be ready to make a change because I've seen too many projects where we have great insights, but they're never operationalized or actualized. I always go back to, if I have these insights, my business doesn't change its behavior as a result of the analytics, then what's the point? I think we're wasting our time. Your business has to change based on the re these results that are coming forward. Yeah. And talking about readiness, I'd love to hear from both of you in your experience, how do you actually get executive buy-in? So if the leaders don't think this is important, if they are, they want to rely on their gut instinct, what do you do? How do you convince them? So. The first are some simple facts and, and I will echo with what David said. I'll tell you a story in a minute, actually about the importance of executive buy-in and uh, from the top down, but a simple fact is according to IDC, companies worldwide spent $215 billion on big data or data and analytics. Now think about that. That's a lot of money to be invested. And yet, according to Forbes magazine, a study was done of CEOs and of leaders across all these companies. And according to Forbes, make sure I get this right. 92.2% of executives believe they're not leveraging this, what was invested because of cultural issues. It's not technology. And it's real interesting article in Forbes. It's actually issues that are cultural and barriers to adoption. And so I think when I think about executive buy-in, on the top, it, it opens doors in a huge way. With one of my previous companies, I was, I had, there were a group of people that were very excited to bring in data analytics into one of the subsidiaries in their country. And I said, okay, I'm willing to come down. We'll do some training. We'll introduce some things. We'll do these kinds of things for you, but help me meet your CEO. And so we went, I went down there, flew down there with my team. We did this training and I met with a CEO and he kind of looks at me mid in mid sentences, I'm explaining this and he turns to all of his direct reports and he goes, I want this data democratization. I want this data enablement. I want this done. And they all sat there and went, okay. And we saw after that, within the first year built, not by data scientists, not by professionals, just people in finance, people in HR, people in manufacturing and so on. They built 96 production solutions the first year. They began, they translated the materials that we created into the local language. They began to teach it all over. And one day that one of their managers brought me 10 of their new hires who showed me all of their products, projects that they were working on, starting with problem formulation, which is how I started every project. What problem are you trying to solve? I was between crying and bursting with joy just to see how this had gone from person to person, but it yeah. started with that buy-in at the top. When the CEO said, this is what we're doing. It just opened up a zillion doors for us to, to do it. So alignment is really helpful. It's not the only way you can make change, obviously, but it sure helps. Yeah. Thank you for sharing that. And David, I, I also want to hear what you've seen and maybe also touch on ROI. How do we actually show ROI? So I know you, uh, Jeff, you mentioned the 96 or so pro projects or uh, that, that were established after that alignment took place. But how do we actually look at ROI for something like that? There's a couple of things that an organization needs to do. Number one, when they're defining their, their project and their scope, they need to make sure they're attaching this to something meaningful, making sure it's attached to specific business KPIs there. And it's not about just digitizing 
the existing process. I think organizations need to think about how can we reimagine the process and doing things differently. I like to say transformation without analytics is just digitization. It's the analytics that make it transformative. So how can your business change as a result of analytics? In terms of like specific tactics to democratize analytics, we've seen the classic change management things. We have education sessions. We do gamification. I think a community is important. Uh, snackable training, both depending on your preference, live and on demand. Uh, we see a center of excellence and you know, make sure you reward your people. So a lot of these uh, specific six tactics that we promote are we seeing uh, that being used uh, quite effectively across a lot of different organizations. Yeah, I think you see a lot of, let's call them guesstimates of this is worth $3 million and efficiencies and savings. When you build an analytic or a data product or anything, there is one clear way you can measure ROI and that's usage. Very simple. It's amazing to me how basic that seems yet neglected it often is. One of the things we did when I was at Ford was we began to track usage of all of the various dashboards that were being built. Oh, that made me both a beloved but hated person at the same time. And when we begin to expose the value of certain things, we, people vote with their feet yeah. or with their clicks, really. Yeah. And maybe it automates like the story that David told earlier about it automates someone's job and it's seven hours and 58 minutes saved, in which case that is huge value to that. Yeah. Or it could be. We just spent a lot of time and money on something people aren't going to use, and it should be either decommissioned or should be at least explored what that barrier is to adoption or whatever this great thing that they've built. Yeah, I've seen a lot of previous companies that have been at sort of, you know, the data science team or the analytics team or what have you. They go off and build something, but they don't actually uh, involve this teams whose lives are going to change as yeah, a result of exactly it. Like, from, we come down from on high and like, oh, here's the solution. And you're like, what I'm doing is working pretty good. So it never gets adopted and they're making sure to involve the people whose, whose lives are going to be changed because they know better than you do. And the impacts of that is really important for any business. Totally. Yeah. And Jeff, were there, was there anything surprising when you were looking at the usage of all these dashboards? Yeah, actually what surprised me, one of the surprises for me was some of the most popular dashboards were not built by data scientists. Think about why, because. What is data science at its core? Data science is the intersection between domain expertise and coding or computer science and mathematics, your statistics, your modeling, that kind of stuff. What is the one thing that as a data scientist that I can sometimes miss? I have to, and like David said, you have to take that time to listen, to engage along the way. And I think it could be showing that a data science or maybe have not done a good a job of understanding the needs of the actual people consuming these things. Whereas a domain expertise, a person comes in as a domain expert, he or she knows that space. If we can help them learn some of the, the coding part and the math part or use tools to shrink what they need, then that's a powerful, powerful thing. And that's why I think that was telling me you actually saw it in, in real life numbers because numbers are not emotional. They just say the facts. Here it is. Yeah, and it, it's definitely a very useful exercise. Back when I used to build dashboards for a large company, there were a lot of surprising factors where you end up seeing that the dashboards that you built for team A were actually being used by team B, where you didn't even build it for them. Had you known they were going to use it, you would have done it a little bit differently. So I think it's definitely a worthwhile exercise to see if what you've built 
is actually being used and by the right people. We, we have a question here from Jessica and she's asking, what was the biggest discovery that was made possible by data that changed something in the McDonald's way? Wow. There's so many different things around supply chain, things around customer satisfaction, things around understanding time of day when certain things are true. I remember I was meeting with a marketing director in one of our countries, I'm not uh, the, the head of the, that particular country. And she told me she wants to get, this is a future state, but I think it's indicative of where we need to go. Yeah. She said she would like to be able to drive by on a Saturday, any of the McDonald's in the capital city of this country or anywhere across the country and see 12 cars in the drive-through line and understand why. Is it because somebody didn't show up for work? Is it because there was a higher than expected demand today? Is mm -hmm. it because they were just being less efficient that day? What is the exact cause? And I think that's where we're heading in the ability to be able to tell that story right away that the head of an entire country could go and understand that like that. We're moving in that direction. Yeah. Yeah. I think that would be very powerful. I do have these cool predictions for where we're going to be 10 years from now with data. And they all sound so good. If you think about it from a negative perspective, they could be terrible as well of how we can use data in the wrong hands, but used properly could be very powerful. There was another question here in terms of how McDonald's uses data. What data tools analytics will McDonald's use to measure success from one franchise to another, leveraging those data findings to bolster success of less successful franchisees? So we use a variety of different tools. As mentioned, we use Outtricks. We're exploring Data IQ. We've used Tableau. We use Power BI. We use Databricks. That's some of our stack along the way. There's no, none of that is secret. I think those are pretty common stacks. I think I want to be careful in the area of comparing franchisees just because out of respect for owner operators and their own individual businesses. Because at the end of the day, if, like I said, if Kate owns her business, then there are things that we can show Kate, but ultimately Kate owns her business and how Kate mm -hmm. runs her business is Kate's business. Right. Thank you for that, Jeff. We, Valerie had a comment for where you said there were 12 cars in the drive-thru. Is it because a school football practice just got out? And they That's actually them? one of the things that we have to think about. And, yeah. and actually our owner operators do a good job of entertaining their communities. Mm -hmm. But we have actually looked at, is there a way to even, you know, understand if I'm on either I-94 or US-23, if you know the state of Michigan, and I'm in Ann Arbor, and you're on a certain Saturday in the fall where 110,000 people are filling the stands in there, and then they're all going back to Metro Detroit or back south towards Toledo, or they're going west toward Grand Rapids or wherever they're going back after that game, what's going to happen to every one of those restaurants on those highways? Even though you could be an hour from Ann Arbor, you could be affected by the end of a football game. and so. You have to understand your own local world and understand what huge things kind of impact around that along yeah. the way. And that's where we, I think it's important. It's harder to plan that centrally, whereas an, a local owner operator can know his or her community, like with not even a big U of M game, but, or Ohio state game or whatever, but it could just be a simple high school football game that lets out in your little town. Yeah. And there's a thousand people all converging and there's one or two restaurants in town and guess where they're going to go. Oh yeah. I, I've been there running marathons and Spartan races. You just know once you're done with it and you want to go eat somewhere, you don't simply go to the nearest restaurant. Chances are they're going to be packed. And 
I guess that's some external data that companies need to rely on to, to track when they're going to get more inflow. David, question for you. What is the title of the book? Show us the book again, please. Automating Analytics, a human-centered approach to transformative business outcomes. We do have an e-copy on the Alteryx website, and you can uh, IM me or hit me up on LinkedIn and send you URL. Okay, perfect. I do want to, as we wrap up, talk about recommendations that you both have for people or organizations that are tuning in that want to either start their own journey, starting from where they currently are in the analytics maturity scale. What recommendations, what advice do you have for them? Wow. Depending on where you are, I think the first thing I would recommend is assess where you actually are. There are a number of good organizations with that set up non-competes that help you benchmark. And uh, there are others that will help with that. But under, I think people need to actually understand where you are before you figure out where you're going to go. And then once you can assess accurately where you are, then you go out and get that sponsorship from above. And then you start your listening and you're engaging. And then you figure out how you can go down in that journey. My team, we think about four things all the time. Because uh, we think there are four keys to data enablement. One is it's data. Can you trust your data? Is it good data? That seems obvious data enablement, but people aren't going to adopt your data if they don't trust it. The second is process. You need to have a process in place that people can understand and follow and uh, so that they build things correctly. The third is then the right tools. You need to have a tool stack that helps people take that next step and make that easy for them to get at. And then the fourth is the right training, that people development piece is, can I take you where you are and take you to that next step? And so those are four things that my team and my org thinks about all the time. Awesome. Love it. Thank you, Jeff. David, any, any advice on how companies can get started? And we can focus in on Altered specifically, if you'd like here. I echo a lot of the things Jeff said. I think understand where you are. He mentioned that the International Institute for Analytics. We will have a calculator on the Alteryx website probably within the next month so people can go do a self-assessment. It'd be a couple-minute quiz, and their research suggests the average is a 2.2. So don't feel bad if you have a 2. That's the average score. Uh, executive buy-in is important. What, where do you want to start your analytics journey? What are some of the most... People say, okay, there's all these, these bottoms up, and, and those, there's certainly value in solving these. What's really going to move the needle for your company? Think about that. Make sure you follow agile practices. Don't do some sort of waterfall, big bang approach. Show incremental process. Like what can you accomplish in the next three, six, nine months and stage that so you're not just waiting a year for something to happen. But lastly, get started. We have free trials. It is approachable. Everybody that's listening here, it's within your power to make things happen. And so we have. Lots of new offerings at Alteryx for those who aren't familiar. And we have Designer, which many people probably know and love. We've acquired Trifacta for data engineering. We have a tool called Alteryx Machine Learning to help non-experts build machine learning models. And we also have a product called Auto Insights, which is works alongside dashboards. So without doing anything, you load in your data and it tells you what's interesting points to go look at and you use that in with your dashboard. So we have community, free resources, free training, free trial. Give it a whirl. Just get started today. Awesome. Love it. So everybody use your free time to get the free training, the free trial, and just start. 
David, you mentioned average of 2.2. Was that just a random number or is that a 2.2 out of 10, out of 100, out of 5? So they, they used the Davenport's old uh, maturity model. So it's a five-point scale. Five so it's uh, just above uh, really not doing anything. So 2.2, but that's, uh, but it does vary by industry. Okay. Banking, it may be a little further along versus education and healthcare on the sort of uh, less mature. But it, this will, this calculator we're building will be by industry. Okay. Very interesting. I wonder where food and beverage lies. It's on the lower end. It's a less yeah. mature like healthcare because historically data analytics haven't been the focus. It's been on focusing on people and customers. At this point, I would like to wrap up and ask both David and Jeff, where can people go to continue this conversation? If they do have more specific questions for you, where's the best place to find you? And we can start with David this time. You can drive up to Vermont. Other than that, I'm happy to continue the dialogue. My email is david.sweenor at allturks.com, LinkedIn, Twitter, any way you can, which, whatever works. Yeah, LinkedIn is a great place to get in touch with me. I think that's the easiest format to, to reach out and happy to connect. Absolutely. Thank you both so much for your time here today. And David, I, I love your product placement the whole time. You just kept with your McCafe over there. <laughs> I'm loving it. There we go. I'm loving it. Thanks for listening. For links to all of the resources mentioned, including the dedicated on-air podcast, the analytics maturity model self-assessment, and Alteryx Auto Insights, check out our show notes at community.alteryx.com slash podcast. Catch you next time.